0: Everyone likes a good mystery. Recently, in the Rudolph home, we have had a mystery. In the kitchen, every 10 minutes or so, we hear a small beep. It's not a smoke alarm battery because we don't have a smoke alarm in the kitchen. And we don't know of anything else that it could be making this sound. When I try to get closer to the source, it eludes me. What is it? Where is it coming from? We don't know. That's why it's a mystery. mystery. Similarly, there is a part of the Passover Seder that remains a mystery to Jews around the world. And that is the part that we call the Afi Komen. This morning, I would like to talk with you about the mystery of the afikomen, and I have three points. First, there are many fascinating customs surrounding the afikomen. Second, the afikomen reminds us of Yeshua. And third, we all have to find what God has hidden away for us. Let's begin with number one. There are many fascinating customs surrounding the Afikomen. In Judaism today, there are two traditional ways to hide the Afikomen. The first way, the one I grew up with, is that the leader of the Passover Seder hides the Afikomen. After dinner, the children at the Seder search for it. And when they find it, they ransom it back for money or a really nice present. So for example, last night, I, uh, I handed it off to Harumi, Harumi had it hid, and then my daughter Hana ended up finding the afikoman, and she ransomed it back to me for $15 of gas money. <laughs> she chose that instead of a chocolate uh, Seder plate that Harumi had made. <laughs> The second tradition for hiding the afikomen is like the first, but instead of the leader hiding the afikomen, the children are supposed to steal it and then hide it from the adults. This goes all the way back to the Talmud. Since according to custom, the Seder cannot continue until the afikomen is found, the leader has to search for it. And if he can't find it, he offers an enticing present or money to the child to go to the hiding place and bring it back. So, yes, there is a basis in Jewish tradition that the adults should be searching for the Afikomen. But whichever tradition we follow, it is always the children who get the presents. Of course, Our rabbis don't tell us how old one has to be to be counted as a child. Compared to the Eternal One, we are all children in His eyes. Because the Afikomen is hidden during the Seder, and because there is something in our human nature that considers hidden things to be of great value, many traditions have developed over the centuries that attached an almost magical quality to the Afikomen. Alfred Kolach writes in his book, Inside Judaism, In the Middle Ages, many superstitious people believed that the Afikomen had the power to drive off evil spirits. They would therefore hang a piece of leftover Afikomen on the walls of their homes and synagogues. They would also place a piece in a pouch and carry it on their person as a good luck charm. Jews in Kurdistan used to mix pieces of the leftover afikomen in their rice, flour, and salt canisters. The pieces of matzah, they believed, would ensure that their food containers would never be empty. Many Jews from North Africa, particularly Morocco, believe that the Afikomen has the power to calm the stormy sea. And they carry a piece with them whenever they travel by boat. When the sea becomes rough, they throw the piece of Afikomen into the water. Some also hang pieces of Afikomen on the walls of their homes as protection against fire. Unquote. Other traditions, other afikomen traditions, include Jews eating the afikomen to have a long life. You've got to, uh, you've got to take those afikomen supplements. <laughs> Pregnant women would eat the afikomen to ensure a safe delivery of their child. And yes, single women would eat the afikomen to guarantee the arrival of a husband during the coming year. Basically, the afikomen, for many Jews in history, has been regarded as a kind of Jewish four-leaf clover. Now, in sharing all this, I want to be clear that I am not advocating that we eat the afikomen for any of these reasons. And please, no one start a website selling leftover afikomen from the Tikvat Israel Seder. All of these customs I mentioned are superstitions, and there is no correlation between having a piece of afikoman in our pocket and good things happening in our life, even as there is no correlation between the constellation of the stars and having a fabulous day. We should stay far away from lucky charms, astrology, and anything else that is a substitute for trusting in the immeasurable grace of love, and power of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My point is simply that the Afikomen has been viewed in Jewish history, even to the present day, in from ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities, as having an almost sacramental power. And this brings us to my second point, and that is that the Afikomen reminds us of Yeshua. The origin of the Afikoman tradition is unknown. That's why it's a mystery. That's right. The term Afikoman is first mentioned in the Mishnah, which was compiled around the year 200 CE. Here we are told that, quote, one should not have any Afikoman after the Passover sacrifice, unquote. This implies that the Afikomen was a tradition celebrated during the Second Temple period, and that the Jew who celebrated Passover was to leave the Seder with a lingering taste of the Passover lamb. Because of the obscure origins of the Afikomen tradition, scholars have to speculate about its meaning and how it came to be introduced into the Passover Seder. Of the many explanations, one is that the Afikomen is a symbol of the Messiah, and that some Jews in antiquity who were zealous for the coming of the Messiah introduced it into the Passover Seder. The erudite Oxford scholar David Dowby puts forward this thesis in two essays that he published in the mid-20th century. They were entitled... The Significance of the Afikomen, and He That Cometh. These essays are published in an anthology of Dalby's writings entitled New Testament Judaism, Collected Works of David Dalby, Volume 2. In these essays, Dalby argues that the Afikomen was a symbol of the Messiah among some Jews during the time of Yeshua. The matzah at the table, he says, symbolized the people of Israel, and the afikomen, the piece that was broken off and hidden, hidden, stood for the one Israelite to come who would bring about the ultimate deliverance of the people, the Messiah. In his essays, Dalby refers to Mark chapter 14, verse 22, which states, while they were eating... Yeshua took a piece of matzah, made the baruchah, then what does it say? Broke it, gave it to them, and said, take it. This is my body. Dalby contends that the the piece of matzah Yeshua takes at his last Passover and gives to his disciples was probably the afikomen, And Yeshua's statement, this is my body, is equivalent to Yeshua saying, I am the Afikomen, the Messiah you have been waiting for. I am the peace of Israel that will bring deliverance to our people. I am he. In support of this thesis, Dalby notes that the term Afikomen comes from the Greek word Afikomenos, which means the coming one. Or he that comes, and is equivalent to the Hebrew word haba, as in Baruch haba, Beshem Adonai. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Dalby argues that in the beginning, the tradition of hiding the Afikomen had theological significance, and that it was an allusion, quote, an allusion to the Messiah who, though existing, is in concealment. Guarded by God until the appropriate hour. Dowby points out that the Afikomen is described in the Passover Seder as Tzaphun, which means that which is hidden, a suitable designation for the Messiah waiting in the wings, he says, to be summoned to his task. Unquote. David Dowby is considered to have been the 20th century's preeminent scholar of ancient law, Jewish, Christian, and Roman. He was a professor at Cambridge University and Oxford. More recently, Israel Yuval, a professor of Jewish history at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, has championed Dauby's theory that the Afikomen originally symbolized the Messiah. Yuval writes about this in his book, Two Nations in Your Womb, perceptions of Jews and Christians in late antiquity and in the Middle Ages. Jewish scholars have also noted that the Afikomen is a symbol of the Messianic age. For example, Ellen Frankel and Betsy Toich note in the Encyclopedia of Jewish Symbols that, quote, from a Kabbalistic perspective, the Afi Komen can be regarded as a, as a symbol of messianic tikkun olam, that is, restoration of the world, since it was formed by breaking and eventually reappears to make the meal whole, unquote. Why is this historical and theological background of the Afi significant for us here at Tikvot Israel? It is significant because it confirms the authenticity of how we in the Messianic Jewish community view the Afi We as a community see the Afi as a symbol of the Messiah at our Passover tables. When the afikoman is broken off, we think of Yeshua the Mashiach being broken. When we see the afikomen wrapped in a cloth and hidden, we remember Yeshua's death and burial. When we see the afikoman returned at the end of the Seder, we remember Yeshua being resurrected from the dead on the third day, even as we are told in Luke chapter 24, which says, That same day, two of them were going toward a village about seven miles from Jerusalem, called Emmaus, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. As they talked and discussed, Yeshua himself came up and walked along with them, but something kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you talking about with each other as you walk along? They stopped short, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only person staying in Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that have been going on there the last few days? What things, he asked them. They said to him, The things about Yeshua from Nazareth. He was a prophet and proved it by the things he did and said before God and all the people, Our head, Kohanim, and our leaders handed him over so that he could be sentenced to death and executed on a stake as a criminal. And we had hoped that he would be the one to liberate Israel. Besides all that, today is the third day since these things have happened. And this morning, some of the women astounded us. They were at the tomb early and couldn't find his body. So they came back. But they also reported that they had seen a vision of angels who say, He's alive. Some of our friends went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, Foolish people, so unwilling to put your trust in everything the prophets spoke. Didn't the Messiah have to die like this before entering his glory? Then, starting with Moshe and all the prophets, he explained to them the things that can be found throughout the Tanakh concerning himself. They approached the village where they were going. He made as if he were going on farther, but they held him back saying, Stay with us, for it's almost evening and it's getting dark. So they went in to stay with them. As he was reclining with them at the table, he took the matzah, made the barucha, broke it, and handed it to them. Wait a second. Stop. Rewind. Doesn't that sound familiar? It sounds very much like what we just read in Mark 14 about how Yeshua broke off a piece of matzah at the last Passover Seder. Then we're told, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he became invisible to them. Or another way to put it is that like the Afikomen, he became hidden from them again. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn inside us as he spoke to us on the road, opening up the Tanakh to us? They got up at once, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together with their friends, saying, it's true, the Lord has risen. Shimon saw him. Then the two told, then the two told what had happened on the road and how he had become known to them in the breaking of the matzah. Why did the disciples recognize Yeshua in the breaking of the matzah of all things? Perhaps it was because The breaking of the matzah reminded them of him breaking off the afikomen, a symbol of himself. For those of us who are Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles, the afikomen is all about Yeshua. And this brings us to my last point. We have to find what God has hidden away for us. When I was around seven years old, I went to the beach with my mom and my brother Brian. When we arrived, I set out to find buried treasure. And I found an area that looked promising and began digging under the boardwalk and digging 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 digging in the sand. Then All of a sudden, I felt something hard, something flat and long. Excitedly, I began digging around it. I pulled it out of the hole that I had dug. It was one of those antique suitcases, and it was incredibly heavy. Something was in it. But what? I opened the suitcase slowly, with my brother and I peering inside to see what was in there. Would you like to know what was in it? Okay, come to next week's Shabbat service. (laughs) Inside was a complete set of silver flatware. I remember running to my mom and saying, Mom, Mom, I found buried treasure. My point in sharing this story is that we have to find what God has hidden away for us. In the book of Revelation, Yochanan, John conveys a message from the Lord to us. We are told in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. And let's all read this together. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Ruach, the Spirit, says to the congregations. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. In closing this sermon, I would like to make a few short comments about this mysterious statement. First, do we have ears? Who here has ears? Okay, hold your ear. Okay, anyone? Raise your hand if you don't have an ear. Okay, no one's raising their... Oh, someone back there is raising their... <laughs> but he heard me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We have established that we all have ears. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening to what the Ruach, the Spirit, is saying to us this Passover season? The Lord is speaking to us, but are we listening? Second, we are called to overcome any challenges or obstacles that we face in this life. We are not called to give up or back down or say, woe is me, I have such a difficult life, oy vey. Rather, we are called to overcome, trusting in the Lord, and not in superstitions or other gods or our own strength, or even others, the strength of others. We are called to put our trust in the Lord. And that is how we overcome. Third, when we overcome, the Lord says that he will give us some of the hidden manna. Or we might say, some of the hidden, because manna is described in the, in the scriptures as what from heaven? Bread from heaven. So we might call the hidden manna some of the hidden matzah from heaven. Because it wasn't leavened. Or we might even say some of the heavenly afikomen. What is this hidden manna, this heavenly afikomen? I don't know, but because it's hidden, it must be good. Manna was the gift of God to our ancestors when we journeyed through the desert without food or water. It was the gift of God that sustained us. It was our daily bread, our daily matzah from heaven, with a double portion for Shabbat. Perhaps the hidden manna that the Lord refers to in Revelation is similarly a gift that sustains us in the olam haba, the world to come. Whatever it is, it is something worth overcoming for. It is something worth reaching for. Fourthly, We are told in Revelation that the Lord will give those who overcome a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. What does this mean? Again, I don't know, but it must be good because it comes from the Lord and the new name is hidden to everyone except the person who receives it. In the ancient Near East, stones of various colors were used for admission to public festivals and celebrations. Perhaps the white stone will be our admission ticket to the great messianic banquet that awaits us in the age to come after the Messiah returns and the dead are raised. Will we have that admission ticket? that white stone. Also, in the ancient world, jurors would use stones to communicate their verdict. A juror would give a black stone if the person was guilty and a white stone if the person was innocent. Perhaps what the Lord is saying here is that if we seek to overcome, the Lord will give us a white stone as a statement of his verdict of innocence when we stand before His throne. Finally, we are told that this white stone that we receive will have on it a new name given by the Lord that no one else will know. In the Tanakh, when a person receives a new name, the new name is often associated with a promise from the Lord. Perhaps the Lord is saying in Revelation chapter 2 verse 17 that if we overcome as the Israelites overcame all the forces of Egypt against them and passed through the Red Sea, that the Lord will give us a special promise one day that will mean everything to us. Are we looking forward to that day? Are we living our lives in a way that is oriented toward overcoming so that we will experience these blessings and these promises from the Lord. The hidden afikomen. We all have to find what God has hidden away for us, for you, you and 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 me. Therefore, we must all overcome. This morning we have talked about the mystery of the Afikomen. And I had three points. First, there are many fascinating customs surrounding the Afikomen. Wouldn't you agree? Second, the Afikomen reminds us of Yeshua. And third, we all have to find what God has hidden away for us. Let's pray.